Uh, take your Bible, please. Lamentations chapter 2 tonight. Lamentations chapter 2. Uh, if you were able to read through it, you completed your homework. Uh, 22 verses. Zach, remind me, why are there 22 verses in this chapter? Do you recall, sir? Yeah, yeah, so 22 Hebrew consonants, there's lots of vowels, but one uh, verse, each verse begins with the next letter uh, in the Hebrew uh, alphabet. If it were, well, whether it's English or um, Hebrew, the first letter would be like an A or an Aleph in Hebrew. The word is acrostic, which also begins in A, so there's your memory aid. Uh, we think, Mike, this might have been an aid to Hebrew readers as they were trying to memorize uh, these passages. Also, I think we, we see there's probably a, a poetic purpose for this acrostic device also. It seems to be the Lord is, is covering this topic from A to Z or all of the Taw uh, in the Hebrew alphabet. Probably there was both that practical purpose for this acrostic structure uh, as well as this poetic idea, the Lord is covering this topic with incredible breadth from A to Z or all of the Taw uh, in the Hebrew. He's not going to leave anything out. He's going to do it five times uh, in five chapters. Uh, the next chapter uh, actually has uh, several verses for each letter. Uh, and then the last one breaks that structure. You remember we, we've talked about that. Uh, Brother Ray, chapter 5 breaks that structure. It just doesn't use it. Uh, we think that's probably a poetic device also that pictures the brokenness uh, of Judah, the physical destruction uh, of Jerusalem uh, and the brokenness of the people in the captivity. So uh, it's all extraordinary in its uh, poetic structure. Uh, it's ironic, Brother Art, that in these dirges that are so, uh, in, in the surface at least, desperate, there could be a beauty also in, in the way the Lord is uh, presenting this material. Uh, I say it's desperate, but of course, it's not really desperate. It, it looks desperate on the surface. It sounds desperate on the surface. Uh, these verses are, they're tough, Brother Ray. They, they, uh, they are descriptions of, of the depth and breadth of destruction of Jerusalem and its effect upon the people, as you know. That sounds pretty desperate, but Brother Mike, we, we also know that this uh, book, uh, each verse uh, points to Christ as the answer. Christ is the answer to everything that we see here. This depth of despair uh, forces one to ask, well, there, is there an answer? And if so, what is the answer? Who is the answer? Well, the Messiah of, of this people, uh, he uh, is the answer. And so we're, we're going to refuse to... Uh, despair tonight as we see these verses, we're going to rejoice that uh, each verse points to the hand, the loving hand of God correcting uh, his people uh, after their refusal uh, to correct themselves. Uh, it's the loving hand of God working and of course ultimately pointing to Christ as the answer uh, to the people here. Now, uh, last Wednesday night, I'm going to stop and pray in a minute, but last Wednesday night uh, when I was kind of giving you your assignment to read through, if you did, that's great. If you didn't, I'll forgive you, uh, but try to read it um, if you haven't, and we'll, we'll try to pre-read chapter 3 also. Uh, last Wednesday night when I was making that assignment, I said, listen, chapter 1 obviously focuses on the effects of the sin of the people, their refusal to repent. Sin has consequences. Refusing to repent at the conviction of the Holy Spirit is going to have potentially greater consequences. Uh, you, we saw the consequences. Words like affliction and afflicted and bitterness and desolate and sorrow and mourning and miseries and sigh, sighs and sigheth, uh, just uh, all of the physical destruction and the spiritual emotional consequences, the burden that went, went along with that. We'll see more of that in chapter 2, of course, uh, but the language of chapter 2, it's interesting, Mike, it focuses a little bit more, it emphasizes a little bit more uh, the fact that this is, this is the Lord's action. There's not random stuff, it's not random consequences. We saw some of that in the first chapter also, of course, but you see that a little bit more um, uh, impactfully, perhaps, is the word in, in chapter 2. So you're going to see the word Lord 13 times in 22 verses. It's he, he uh, who is acting to carry out this judgment, which is his correction. 
Uh, you'll see anger six times. It's his anger at their sin and refusal to repent that leads him to carry out the, the captivity in Babylon. See, wrath once. Uh, the word swallowed is used uh, poetically four times. They're swallowed up in his uh, anger and wrath and poured out three times uh, and destroyed uh, three times. Zach, the word destroyed can sometimes be used to refer to the actual destruction of something. But remember, uh, in Scripture, maybe especially in the New Testament, but also in the Old Testament, uh, the, the underlying word has more the idea of loss of well-being than uh, total permanent destruction, right? So uh, people in hell, people who are presently in hell, the uh, Bible will say they're, they're destroyed. Brother Ray, that doesn't mean they're not experiencing conscious punishment for their sin. It means they're experiencing the conscience, conscious consequences of their sin, the destruction of their well-being, for sure, the destruction of the presence of the Lord, all, all of that. Uh, there, it's the consequence, uh, the destruction of well-being is, is really the idea. So uh, we'll see here tonight as we go through these 22 verses. I think we'll try to, we'll, we will get through them tonight, Lord willing. Um, just keep in mind, we're, we're, we're on the lookout here for the Lord uh, as the one who is actively uh, correcting his people. Uh, Mike, is it harsh? Yes. Is the language uh, harsh? Yes, because it's a harsh, it's a harsh period of, of correction. Let's pray, uh, and we'll jump back in here, uh, Lamentations chapter 2. Father, thank you, Lord. Uh, for this book. Uh, we, we say again tonight, it can be very hard to read. Uh, Lord, we'll refuse to be depressed uh, by it. We refuse to despair at it. Uh, Lord, you've given it to us as a warning, uh, which we need uh, uh, for our instruction, for our correction, which we certainly need. Uh, we understand tonight, Father, that uh, the, the people of Judah could have avoided all of this had they simply yielded to you uh, and found strength, grace in you to put off sin and uh, to put on obedience in its place. Father, help us to remember uh, tonight, to see uh, and to remember the depth and breadth of consequences of sin. Of course, we saw that same principle throughout 1st and 2nd Kings. Uh, we see it in Isaiah prophesied and uh, here, prophecy fulfilled, Jeremiah and Lamentations. Lord, thank you tonight that you are a God of prophecy and prophecy fulfilled. Help us to take uh, comfort uh, and to be encouraged tonight that what you say will come to pass really does uh, come to pass. This is the correction that you prophesied. This is the correction that you've brought to pass. You're God of your word, all of your words those which are easy to receive and those which are more challenging to receive. Lord, give us hearts to receive these words tonight, to be instructed, uh, to be corrected. Lord, if that's needed tonight, please uh, give us hearts for these thy words. Uh, Lord, help me now. I need that and pray that you would uh, work in each heart tonight. Now, I pray in Jesus' name. Uh, amen. Uh, Lamentations chapter 2. Lamentations chapter 2. Uh, grab a Bible if you don't have one, uh, please, if you can. Lamentation chapter 2, God's anger, God's anger. Uh, chapter 2, verse 1, uh, Jeremiah writes, How hath the Lord covered uh, the daughter of Zion? I should have mentioned, I should have reminded us already that uh, the picture of Judah in this chapter, in, in this dirge, uh, is Judah as a weeping daughter, a weeping daughter. Uh, you'll see uh, this picture throughout, throughout the, the chapter. Uh, how has the Lord covered the daughter, there's the word, of Zion, uh, with the cloud in his anger? Uh, he was the cloud in the wilderness, Brother Mike, that, that revealed his presence as a cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night, uh, leading and guiding his people. Now there are people who've rejected God's leading and guidance, uh, and so they are under the cloud of his anger, not his guiding presence, uh, but, but a cloud of anger. So it's very interesting how the, uh, that, that illustration changes. Uh, they're, they're, they've, they've rejected the Lord uh, and his 
will and, and obedience to him, and now they're not, they're, they're not under the cloud of his presence, but of course the cloud of his anger. I uh, cast down from heaven unto the earth the beauty of Israel. Is, Israel's been, uh, well, the, the north, of course, been carried off into captivity uh, back in 722, uh, the south, uh, 586, the Israel. The word here is probably being used to refer to all of the tribes in all of the land. Uh, they remembered not, um, and remembered not his footstool uh, in the day of his anger. Uh, so his anger twice in this verse. What's this footstool about? Uh, you may look at that and say, why, why footstool? Why footstool? Uh, do this, please. Go um, turn to First Chronicles 28. First Chronicles uh, 28. Um, of course, there's, there's different Bible reference tools where you could use to kind of look up that word. Uh, today, probably the easiest thing to do, Mike, if you want to look and see where a word is used in the Bible, go to a Bible website. Blue Letter Bible uh, is a good website. Go there, select KJV for your Bible version. Then you can look up the word footstool and see where it appears. And very often the first instance or first use of a word uh, defines how it's used in the Bible. Not always, of course, but very often. Um, footstool here um, seems to, or, or likely is, uh, actually a reference to the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, see here, chapter, 1 Chronicles 28, I may have misspoke, 1 Chronicles 28 uh, and verse 2. Then King David stood up from, uh, from, let me try again, stood up upon his feet and said, Hear me, my brethren and my people, as for me, uh, I had in my heart to build a house of rest uh, for the what? the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, uh, and for the footstool of our God, and had made ready for the building. So uh, this, this word footstool uh, may uh, be a reference to the Ark of, of the Covenant, uh, which of course uh, does picture Christ. Brother Ray, we understand that the Ark contained the, the law, right, which reveals sin. Uh, the blood was applied to the, the, the top, the mercy seat, above the Ark of the Covenant, picturing the blood of Christ that would cover the sin that is revealed by the law there in the Holy of Holies. So um, this is um, perhaps, perhaps a reference to the Ark, um, perhaps uh, in the day of his anger. Uh, share with you, maybe coincidentally, you remember uh, Dr. Ted Alexander uh, was here several years back. Uh, we had a uh, uh, Baptist history conference here at our church, and Brother Alexander came and, and spoke for several nights. Uh, he and his wife are on a tour in Israel this week. They're, they're there tonight. And um, they visited the Temple Mount, or I, I'm not sure if it was literally they were able to get on the Temple Mount. I think they probably are right now, despite the unrest there. Uh, they were told um, at the Temple Mount that Jewish authorities, Brother Art, this is very interesting, uh, Brother Ray, Jewish authorities uh, claim that they are in possession of the Ark, that it, it's been secured, it's been secured for a long time. Uh, they have it, and they, they, they intend to place it into the, the third temple whenever they can build it. It's very interesting. Uh, they're training priests for the next temple. They've prepared the instruments. They, they are ready uh, to build, Brother Mike, and, and to staff the third temple. Uh, now, we know there's going to be a third temple. Uh, I think there'll be a fourth temple also. Uh, third temple, of course, will be the, the tribulation temple that, where the Antichrist will enter and demand to be worshipped as God. Um, I'm pretty sure that there will be a fourth temple uh, in the millennium that will not be that same temple. But uh, it's very, very interesting that uh, Jewish, Jewish authorities are, claim that they, they have taken possession, they have in their possession the ark in a secret place. We didn't really emphasize this in our trip through First and Second Kings, but uh, it would appear that by the ark, that as the Babylonians were approaching, that the ark was hidden, um, and it appears that it would have been hidden pretty close to the, the temple uh, location. There's some suggestion that it's been found and has been secured um, in an underground tunnel location 
uh, at the Temple Mount. That's that's been a theory that some have claimed is is the case. Uh, so you know, if if that's true, that would be consistent with Scripture. <laughs> so that'd be believable for that reason. Anyway, it's just interesting. It's a point of interest. Uh, this this word footstool here may may be a reference to. Uh, uh, to the ark. Uh, let's move on here. Probably better go a little faster if we're going to get through this chapter. Um, here, verse 2, the Lord hath swallowed up all the habitations uh, of Jacob, a reference to the people and their land. Um, this metaphor of, of swallowing up. He's, um, can't, he, he's come in and, 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 and rooted them up uh, like, like a, something you might eat and, and swallowed them up, swall, swallowed them down. Uh, a poetic picture, metaphor, Brother Ray, for God dealing with them uh, as he has. Uh, Jeremiah writes, uh, he's pitied and hath pitied not, hath not pitied. He's thrown down in his, what's the next word, the W word? Uh, his wrath, his anger, uh, the strongholds of the daughter, there's the you know, weeping daughter again, daughter of Judah. Uh, he hath brought them down to the ground. He hath polluted the kingdom uh, and the princes thereof. I want you to see back in verse 1 again, who, who's the one doing what's being done in verse 1? How hath the, what's the next word? Lord. Yeah, he, he's done this. Uh, verse 2, the Lord hath. You see that all, all the way through this, this chapter. Uh, this is God acting. The language is very poetic, but uh, we understand what's being pictured. What's being pictured is, is not poetic. It's real, uh, but it's being pictured poetically. The Lord's actions, uh, his actions are being pictured very poetically. So beginning of verse 2, it's the Lord hath uh, followed across, hath not pitied. There's a colon, two spaces after a colon, right? He hath thrown down in his wrath. Uh, come down across to daughters of Ju daughter of Judah, semicolon space. He hath brought them down to the ground. He hath polluted the kingdom uh, and the princes thereof. You know, secular history would say, well, this is the Babylonians that did this. Uh, if you read secular history, sure enough, Babylonians swept into Judah, uh, conquered uh, the people, trampled over the land, destroyed Jerusalem, took what they could, took the people. Uh, secular history would see it that way. We understand this is the Lord working sovereignly to employ, to use the Babylonians to accomplish uh, this great correction. And uh, I, just, I just marvel at the, the length the Lord goes, the Holy Spirit goes to, to emphasize this is the Lord who is accomplishing this through the Babylonians. Uh, verse 3 Another metaphor here. He, the Lord, uh, hath cut off in his fierce anger, so there's more anger, uh, all the horn of Israel. Uh, he hath drawn back his right hand uh, before the enemy, and he uh, burned against Jacob like a flaming fire which devoureth uh, round about. So it's he, 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 uh, the Lord accomplishing all of this. Uh, remind me, we just saw this recently, the right hand picture of what? Strength, right? It's a picture of strength or power. Uh, and so poetically in the same verse, you have another uh, picture of, of strength and power. It's interesting how this poetry of Jeremiah, Brother Ray, uses some of the same parallelism that we see, parallelism that we see uh, in the Psalms. You'll see something communicated one way. In the second half of that verse, same idea communicated uh, another way. So you have right hand, second half of the verse. Uh, first half of the verse, the horn of Israel. Uh, think of an animal, a powerful animal that has horns. Can you think of one? Or a horn. Bull. <laughs> a bull snorting at you, kind of doing this with this. You can't see my foot, but you can hear it. Uh, getting ready to charge at you. That, that's a picture of strength and power, Brother Art. And, uh, yeah, so the, the horn of a powerful animal uh, it's come to be uh, a, a picture poetically of strength and power, uh, to some extent authority in Scripture also. Uh, and so that's, that's language that's familiar to us, the horn uh, being a picture of strength and power, and again, to some extent or sometimes uh, authority as well. We see that throughout Scripture. 
don't have to turn there, but Jeremiah used this back in Jeremiah 48 and verse 5. Uh, he referred to the horn of Moab being cut off, Brother Ray, a uh, picture of the strength of Israel's enemy, Moab, uh, their neighbor uh, to the east, right, uh, being, being cut off or being diminished uh, by the Lord. So uh, it's just a reminder, uh, the horn, a picture of power, strength, authority. Uh, in, here in verse 3, it's uh, the horn of Israel, their power, their strength being diminished, uh, being cut off by whom? The Lord, yeah. Yes, Babylon, but the Lord working uh, through Babylon. Uh, verse 4, he hath bent his bow. Uh, picture the bow and arrow like an enemy. Uh, that's like an enemy, metaphor or simile. Simile uses like or as. So simile here, a poet, poetry all over the place here. He bent his bow like, like an enemy. So Lord, Lord being pictured as, as one who is pursuing an enemy. Brother Ray, did the Lord choose to view his people as an enemy first, or did they choose to make themselves enemies of the Lord first? It's the latter, isn't it? The people have chosen to act as enemies of the Lord. He is responding to uh, their choice. Uh, he bent his bow like an enemy. He, so it's he, and then he stood with his right hand as an adversary uh, and slew all that were pleasant to the eye in the tabernacle uh, of the daughter, there's daughter again of Zion. He poured out his fury. Uh, so we've seen anger and wrath and fury uh, like fire. Do you get the idea that sin angers the Lord? Amen. Lord, help us. Uh, Lord, help us. Give us hearts to obey you. Help us to look to you for strength to obey you. Uh, Lord, you've done so much for us. You've sent your only begotten son to die for us. Give us hearts to not anger you. Give us hearts to not uh, cause you to uh, experience wrath uh, or fury. Uh, Lord, give us hearts to see that sin has consequences. And when we refuse to repent uh, at your urging, it can have great consequences uh, in our lives. Uh, do you think that, um, it's just a question, uh, do you think that as you look at the state of our nation that, that perhaps we're seeing uh, some degree of judgment upon our nation? Uh, you know, that's, that's a difficult thought, difficult question, um, but we're certainly um, we're certainly not where we were as a nation some years ago. Um, you know, we could despair at that and, and do nothing else. Well, if, if you despair, make, make that a trigger to pray, right? Uh, we're going to pray for our nation tonight. We'll pray that, that God still use this great nation for his great purposes. Uh, Brother Art, I'm, I'm fond of saying, and I'll say again tonight, that no matter the state of our nation, no matter the state of our world, individual people and individual churches can remain faithful and serve the Lord faithfully. Uh, and so we, we, we may be in a sea of despairing <laughs> things or, uh, around us uh, and, and still choose to be the people of God. The Lord, Lord had a remnant in uh, Babylon. Brother Mike, he, he's going to have a remnant uh, today also. Lord, thank you for the privilege to be a part of that remnant. Um, Verse 5, see similar language, the Lord, so again, it's he's acting, uh, was as an enemy. So similarly, he uses like or as. He was as an enemy. Uh, he hath swallowed up Israel. He hath swallowed up all her places. He hath destroyed his strongholds uh, and hath increased in the daughter of Judah. So there's that picture again. Uh, mourning, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G, heaviness. Uh, and lamentation. So there's the word lamentation uh, from which the book takes uh, its title. Uh, the word translated lamentation here is elsewhere translated sorrow. Uh, it, it is sorrow or a sorrowful saying. Uh, he hath increased in the daughter of Judah mourning, heaviness, uh, and lamentation, uh, sorrow. Uh, verse six is, verses 6 and 7, he is the one uh, who caused the temple to be destroyed. 
the place of his special presence, the place where he was worshipped, Brother Mike, uh, the place where the sacrifices were performed that pictured Christ, their Savior, uh, and, and our Savior. The Lord, uh, there must have been a great wrath for him to permit even to author the destruction uh, of this uh, most important place. Verse 6, and he uh, hath violently taken away his tabernacle uh, as, it, uh, as if it were of a garden. He hath destroyed his places of the assembly. The Lord hath caused the solemn feasts and Sabbaths uh, to be forgotten in Zion, hath despised uh, in the indignation of his anger, the king and priest. The Lord, verse 7, hath cast off his altar. He hath abhorred his sanctuary. He hath given up into the hand of the enemy the walls of her palaces that have made a noise in the house of the Lord as in the day of a solemn feast. God doing all of uh, this. He caused the, the walls and gates of Jerusalem to be destroyed. Verse 8, the Lord hath purposed uh, to destroy the wall of the daughter of Zion. Uh, of course, Nehemiah will record and be used greatly of God uh, to, um, to record and, and to lead the, uh, the rebuilding of the walls. Uh, he, continuing in verse 8, hath stretched out a line. He hath not withdrawn his hand from destroying. Therefore, he made the rampart and the wall to lament. There's that word again. Uh, they languish together. Her gates are sunk into the ground. He hath destroyed uh, and broken uh, her bars. Um, this is a lot of destruction, Brother Ray, from the one who is the creator and the one who um, is the designer of the place of worship. Think about um, back in um, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Leviticus, um, the, the um, effort to which the Lord went to define uh, all of the requirements uh, for the temple, brother, right? Tabernacle and then the temple. Um, all, all the details that he gave and all that went into that and uh, for him to permit even to author the destruction uh, of the same, this same place, there must be a very great anger, a very great wrath at sin, uh, a tremendous fury at sin. Uh, what does that tell you about the Lord? That kind of anger at sin, that kind of rage and, and wrath and fury at sin, what does that tell you about him? Is there an attribute, and these are attributes, his wrath at sin, but Zach, is there another attribute that maybe explains his wrath at sin? Has he ever sinned? His holiness. Yeah. Uh, you, when you can understand, you, you begin to comprehend here tonight the, the depth and breadth and the intensity of his wrath at sin. The other side of that coin is his holiness, Brother Ray. Um, that explains it. You know, people say, well, how can God be so angry at you know, sin? It's just a little sin. Well, it's not just a little sin, first of all. Uh, and even if it was just a little sin, he's a perfectly holy God. That explains it. That explains it. He's perfect in every way. Brother Mike, that explains it. Uh, that explains it. Uh, middle of verse 9, uh, her king and her princes are among the Gentiles. Yep, they've been carried off. The law is no more. It's not being observed. Uh, her prophets also find no vision from the Lord. Now, that's an interesting verse. We know that uh, Jeremiah is writing in the captivity. Uh, we know there's two other prophets. They'll be writing during the captivity. Uh, and so we know that there are some writing prophets that God is using during the captivity. Uh, and so, you know, you look at this, this verse, this phrase, her prophets also find no vision from the Lord. Zach, could that be an error? Is that, you know, is God wrong about this? No. Uh, so what might be an explanation? This might be speaking prophets, uh, those who the Lord used to speak uh, in the past, but who did not write. He did not use them to pen down uh, scripture. We have examples of them that we can see in Scripture. This, and so this might be a reference to those who... Uh, who spoke or preached, but, but no longer uh, were doing that. Um, verse 10, 
we see the suggestion of repentance, which is, is a good thing. Uh, I think we saw uh, allusions to this same idea uh, pictured in Psalm 44 uh, on Sunday night, the suggestion that there is, there is repentance. You know, in the Lord has acted in his wrath, which does reflect his holiness, but he is acting with a purpose also, Brother Mike. Uh, his attributes explain his actions, but he always acts with purpose. His purpose has been to encourage repentance. Uh, verse 10, the elders of the daughter of Zion, how, how Judah's being pictured here, uh, sit upon the ground and keep silence. They have cast up dust upon their heads. They have girded themselves with sackcloth. Virgins of Jerusalem hang down their heads to the ground. And so uh, there's, there's a picture here of, of repentance uh, in, in, the, in the midst of this intense correction. Uh, there's a pretty strong picture here uh, of, of sorrow at their sin uh, and, and uh, at least the beginning uh, of repentance. Uh, Jeremiah writes in, in verse 11, he says, Mine eyes do fail with what? Tears. Repentance usually requires uh, or usually involves, I should say, a sorrow at sin. And so uh, certainly Jeremiah would be one who would be sorrowing uh, at sin, uh, even in the face of, of some repentance. Someone will look at this and say, well, tears following repentance in verse 10. Maybe, maybe those are tears of joy. I'm, I'm not so sure, Brother Mike. Uh, I think his, his primary focus is probably still on, on the sin of the people. But yeah, there is repentance in verse 10. But uh, in verse 11, he says, my eyes do fail with tears. And he says, my bowels are troubled. So he's still focused on the, the in intensity of the sin and the failure of the majority of the people to repent. He says, my bowels uh, are troubled. Is that why bowels and not his heart? We'll talk about this with Sunday night also, right? Yeah, the bowels were seen as the, the seat of emotion uh, at that time like the heart is this time. I think I mentioned also the liver on Sunday night. He says, my liver is poured upon the earth. Carolyn, that doesn't sound good. You know, we're, we're, in our church, we're more about getting organs than pouring them out, right? Brother, we, we, we're more about getting them, right? We won't pour them out. Uh, my liver is poured upon the earth. So um, bowels are troubled uh, and liver being poured upon the earth. This is, this is one of those poetic parallelisms that have the same idea. So you keep that in mind when you're, when you're reading through this, this poetry of Jeremiah Lamentations. Something doesn't make sense. Well, something that comes before it or immediately after it probably has the same idea, in many cases at least. And so that is, that is the case here. Um, the liver is um, the largest major organ. Uh, I know people say the skin is an organ and other things, but when you think about traditionally the way you think of organs, uh, the liver is the largest, it's the, it's the heaviest. Uh, it's the heaviest. It's the heaviest. It's four or five times heavier than the heart, Brother Mike. Uh, and this underlying word that liver is translated from, it, uh, it has the idea of heavy, this, this form of it, this flavor of the word, um, bad choice of words in the context of liver. Uh, <laughs> um, it, it does have the idea of liver, but the, root, the, the underlying word is rooted in, in heaviness. Heaviness. And it's being used poetically in a poem, a dirge, to picture not literal weight, like the liver being the heaviest organ or, or heavier than the heart, uh, but heaviness of emotion, uh, an emotional burden, an emotional heaviness. Um, it literally is heavy, but it, that's being used poetically to picture a, an emotional weight and burden that weighs you down uh, when you're suffering. And you know, if you've been suffering God's correction at any point, you probably know uh, you feel kind of weighed down. I, I had a message I used to preach years ago about how sin can weigh you down. Uh, and you don't get sort of relief from that un until you come to Christ. 
well, as a saved person, if you refuse to repent, the Lord is dealing with you and correcting you, that, that correction kind of weigh you down until you get right also. This is the idea. My liver is poured out upon the earth for the destruction of the daughter of my people because children and sucklings swoon. What does it mean to swoon? Pass out. Uh, in, in the streets of the city. That doesn't sound good either. Verse 12, they say to their mothers, the children, where's corn and wine? Uh, when they swooned as the wounded in the streets of the city, when their souls was poured out in, into their mother's bosom. There's a picture of uh, famine and, and death as the result of famine here. Weakness followed by death. Um, Jeremiah goes on in verse 13. He says, what thing... Uh, shall I take to witness for thee? What thing shall I liken to thee, O daughter of Jerusalem? What shall I equal to thee that I may comfort thee, O virgin daughter of Zion? For thy breach, same word is translated destruction or hurt, thy breach, thy destruction or hurt is great like the sea, uh, who can heal thee? It's a really interesting verse. It's powerful. He's, he's saying in the beginning of the verse, I don't even know what to compare your situation to. Uh, here he is. He's, he's this inspired poet. God's giving him words and similes and metaphors. And, um, and, and he, he has been uh, describing their situation. But now, uh, Rich, he, he's at a loss for words. He doesn't even know what to say next. It's just... Uh, it, it, it leaves one speechless. Uh, and then the Lord seems to give him the words. Thy breach, thy destruction, thy hurt is great like the sea. One, one more simile. The, you, the depth, the breadth of your destruction is like the sea. That broad and, and that deep. He's been reaching for that picture. And the Lord says, here you go. Uh, here's the perfect word picture. Uh, who can heal thee? I think that's an absolutely key phrase in the passage. You, you, you could probably just kind of skip over that, but, but don't. Uh, I've been saying all along that these terrible verses, these horrible pictures, they demand an answer. They demand someone uh, who could step in and heal them. Jeremiah asked the question um, as the Holy Spirit leads him to ask the question, who can heal thee? He's talking to people of Judah, Judah as a whole. Who can heal you, Judah? Brother Art, who could heal these people? Lord could heal them. Lord could heal them. That question demands an answer. Uh, remember, Lord's used questions all the way back to the garden. Hey, where are you? Right, Mike? What are you doing? Where are you? Uh, what have you done? Um, who can heal thee? Well, Lord can. Jeremiah pictures, and I'm going to try to get kind of quickly down through the end here, but um, he describes true and false prophets, um, those who had been false prophets who, who did not correct the people, bore some of the responsibility for their current situation. He says, verse 14, thy prophets have seen vain and foolish things for thee. They have not discovered thine iniquity to turn away the captivity but have seen for thee false burdens and, and causes uh, of banishment. Uh, Lord, through, uh, through Jeremiah says, listen, your prophets, people who you listened to, failed to show you uh, in the past your sin. They, they failed to reveal your sin to you. Uh, they failed uh, when, when the Lord began to correct you. They failed to, to show you that, hey, the Lord is correcting you for your sin. You better get right. Uh, this get worse before it gets better. Get right. Uh, the false prophets did, did not do that. They offered, um, they offered Brother Ray uh, parallel or, or false explanations. Uh, they were the liberal preachers of their day. They just they gave the people whatever the people wanted to hear rather than what the Lord wanted them to hear. Listen, you can find churches today where you can find just about anything you want to hear. They're out there and, and they're, they're here in our own area. You don't want to hear the word of God preached if you don't want to hear preaching against sin. If you don't want to hear preaching about repentance, you can find a church that they just don't do that. Yeah, everything's fine. There's no problem. Rich, go ahead. Yeah, they're teaching, well, there's no anti-anything. Yeah. I mean, the Bible strictly says that there's a, the Bible is 
Bible is anti-sin. Well said, sir, succinctly uh, at that. Yeah, the Bible is anti-sin. You don't want to hear preaching about sin. You can find liberal churches today. That just, they just don't do it. They'll not preach against sin. Uh, they don't preach the gospel either. Well, if they don't preach sin, they don't have to preach the gospel. You don't, you don't need the gospel unless you understand their sin. And, um, the liberal churches are all around us. And, and the same tendency existed in, in the day of these people. And as a result, they're in captivity. Their spiritual leaders, or many of them at least, just were not doing their job. Brother Art, you, you pray this pastor will always do his job. Stay yield to the Lord and preach God's words. So we don't have to do that with love. We have to do that with love and grace and wisdom, of course. Uh, of course, all of those things. Uh, but, but to preach the words of God um, effectively, nonetheless. Consequences, verse 15, all that pass by clap their hands at thee. They hiss and wag their head uh, at the daughter of Jerusalem, the Babylonians in Babylon, uh, saying, is this the city that men call the perfection of beauty? Are, these are the people that came from Jerusalem. Uh, the joy of the whole earth comes from Psalm 48. Uh, verse 16, all thine enemies have opened their mouth against thee. They hiss and gnash the teeth. They say, we have swallowed her up. The Lord did that. Uh, certainly, this is the day that we have looked for. We have found it uh, and we have seen it, the people of Babylon. Uh, Jeremiah reminds them, this is, this is the Lord. This is what he promised would happen uh, 700 years earlier, all the way back in Deuteronomy 28. We've talked about this many times. Verse 17, the Lord hath done that which he had devised. He hath fulfilled his word that he had commanded in the days of old. He hath thrown down and hath not pitied, and he hath caused thine enemy to rejoice over thee. He hath set up the horn of thine adversaries. There's the horn, uh, strength, power, authority. Uh, he's diminished the horn of Israel and strengthened the horn of her, not just one enemy, enemies. Uh, the Babylonians were, um, they were the uh, empire of the day, but they were confederated with other enemies uh, of Israel. Sure enough, this is all in fulfillment of what Lord said would have all the way back in Deuteronomy 28, beginning uh, in verse 15. The final verses uh, of, of this dirge, uh, they're a prayer, they're Jeremiah's tearful prayer. Uh, Zach, pray to the Lord, right? Jeremiah's tearful prayer to the Lord. Uh, he says, their heart cried unto the Lord, um, O wall of the daughter, again, a mourning or tearful daughter, let tears run down, there's tears, uh, like a river, day and night, give thyself, thyself no rest, let the apple of thine eye, let not the apple of thine eye cease. Lord, don't extinguish us. We're the apple of your eye. We know we are not where we should be, but we are the apple of your eye. Arise, verse 19, cry out in the night, in the beginning of the watches, pour out thine heart like water before the face of the Lord. And so there's a, there's a urging of Jeremiah to pray, uh, and there's prayer. Lift up thine hand toward him for the life of thy young children that faint for hunger in the top of every street. Look, your children are starving in the streets because of your sin and your refusal to repent. Do you think maybe you cry out to the Lord now? Behold, uh, verse 20, O Lord, and consider to whom thou hast done this. Shall the women eat their fruit and children of a span long? Uh, wow. Shall the priest and the prophet be slain in the sanctuary of the Lord? Uh, the young and the old lie in the ground in the streets. My virgins and my young men are fallen by the sword. Thou hast slain them in the day of thine anger, anger, anger. Thou hast killed and not pitied. Thou hast called as in, this is prayer now. Thou hast called as in a solemn day my terrors round about, so that in the day of the Lord's anger, anger, anger at sin, none escaped nor remained. Those that I have swaddled and brought up hath mine enemy. What's the last word? Consumed. Wow. Uh, that is a, that's a tough scene, Brother Ray, to say the very least. To say the very least. Um, who can heal thee? 
in the midst of all of that, a key question, who can heal thee? Brother Ray, who could heal them? The Lord. If they would turn from their wicked ways to the Lord in response to his correction. Is his correction harsh? Yeah, it's, it's harsh. All caps, bold, underlined, highlight. It's harsh. Uh, Brother Ray, if they had repented sooner, um, would the correction have gotten this severe and harsh? No, I don't think so, at least. There would be no practical need for that. And uh, Lord certainly did not have a desire to treat his own people, the apple of his eye, this harshly. Um, Lord, help us. Lord, help us. I'm going to pray. Let's pray, please. Father, thank you. Lord, I know this is a passage that we need, and so I'm going to say thank you. Lord, thank you for it. Um, It's harsh, but it's also precious. It is powerful. It's needful. Lord, help us in this church to always be a church that preaches against sin. I know sin begins in the heart. Give us hearts to pray about the heart, having hearts that are right with you, Lord. But give us hearts to pray and to preach against sin. Father, we see here tonight the place to which sin leads, the place to which a refusal to repent and to be right with you leads. It's not an easy place. Lord, I'm tempted to say it's not a good place, but certainly you did work good in the depths of the correction that you authored against your people. Father, I know tonight that much is revealed here, your holiness, your wrath at sin. Lord, how sin affects you. Help us not to lose sight of that. You're grieved at sin. Same God who has graciously provided for our salvation is grieved still at sin. Lord, I thank you tonight that there is an answer. It is Christ who can heal spiritually, physically. Emotionally. Well, thank you tonight, Father, that the moment each of us repented and turned to Christ, we're forgiven. We're made new creatures. Placed in the family of God, adopted by you. Given all the hopes of people who enjoy that great privilege. Lord, thank you. Lord, tonight I know that we still sin, and I know that grieves you. Forgive us. Lord, when there's sin and and there's conviction, give us hearts to be quick to confess, to look to you for strength and grace to put it off and to get back to the place that we should be in. Lord, I thank you tonight that we can because of Christ, the one who can heal thee. We are without excuse. And I thank you for that, Lord. We are without excuse. Well, I thank you tonight that these terrible passages point directly to Christ, our Savior, the need for a Savior. the desperate need for a Savior. Thank you tonight, Father, for sending your only begotten Son. Lord, we know tonight that the world is as Babylon. It needs to hear about Christ. Give us hearts, Father, please, to share the gospel. 
each in the way that we can as you open doors. Gary, praise to you tonight, Father, for being God who opens doors. Thank you. Lord, help us not to waste an open door. Help us to be yielded to you and go through each door to share the gospel, to offer track, to open a Bible, to give our testimony, to share your words. Lord, as we do, use us. Bless us for your honor and glory. Lord, I know tonight that uh, our, the degree to which we may be used by you is the degree to which we look to you to grow us and to sanctify us. Lord, help us to look to you, to yield to you. That we might be usable to you. Church, give you a moment to pray. Father, thank you tonight that none of us has to find ourselves in a Babylon, carried away by sin. Lord, you've made a way of escape. Thank you. Thank you tonight for our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Help us to be grateful. Help us to be yielded. Help us to live for our Savior. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Zach, you come, please. All right, if you can, please stand with me to 465. We'll sing Draw Me Near 465. thine, O Lord, I have heard thy voice, and it told thy love to me. But I long to rise in the arms of faith, and be closer drawn to thee. Draw me nearer, dear blessed Lord, to the cross where thou hast died. Draw me nearer, nearer, dear blessed Lord, to thy precious bleed I consecrate me now to thy service, Lord, by thy power of grace divine. Let my soul lift up with a steadfast hope, and my will be lost in thine. Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where thou hast died. Draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord. To thy precious bleeding side. Oh, the pure delight of a single hour that before thy throne I spend. When I kneel in prayer and with thee, my God, I commune as friend with friend. Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where thou hast died. Draw me nearer, nearer, Dear blessed Lord, to thy precious bleeding side, and the last their depths of love cannot know till I cross the narrow sea. Their heights of joy that I may not reach till I rest in peace with thee. Draw me nearer, dear blessed Lord, to the cross where thou hast died. Blessed Lord, to thy precious bleeding side. Amen. You may be seated.